suicide game just yesterday It's made all that I learned The emptiness of life examined Hello out there and welcome to another episode of Things I Learned While Learning Other Things. This is an attempt by me, Joe Morahan, and my brother, J.S., to provide you with a series of interesting, informative, educational, and we hope enjoyable stories that will help you navigate those high seas of life. Today's episode is entitled Memento 13, Xerxes 10. Uh Uh-oh, Forbidden Fruit number four. Well, it's time we get on with it. And if you haven't noticed uh, from all our previous podcasts, everything I say in this episode, as has been in previous episodes, are actually factually correct, though offered you with a bit of tongue-in-cheek, opinions, comments, and slight editorial privilege, I must admit. The, the forbidden fruit obsession and the cheese stands alone, Xerxes, that is, This will lead the queen to crazy town. But first, on March 28, 1941, not long after Adolf Hitler had crushed most all of continental Europe and subjected Britain to the terror bombing that we know as the Blitz, an extremely talented but equally tormented English writer by the name of Virginia Woolf, smothered in a deep, deep depression, filled her overcoat pockets with rocks and walked into the river ooze and drowned. Not long before she had committed suicide, she had once written, the older one grows, the more one loves indecency. But if if Virginia Woolf had studied ancient history to the degree that she'd studied literature, she might have learned that Xerxes and his wife, Amestris, their behavior 25 centuries before her time was sufficient evidence that there do exist certain levels of indecency, the commission of which will never be loved nor tolerated, no matter the age. And... Instead, she'll be found repulsive to the human species, irrespective irrespective of the epoch in which they appeared. Historical novelist Robert Graves also once wrote that the supply of good women far exceeds the supply of good men whom deserve them. And one might hold that Graves' assertion is very close to the truth. Well, that may, and that well may be the case. But then one must acknowledge there always exist exceptions to every rule. And in the case of Xerxes and Amestris, they were the equal of the other in indecency. So let us now begin the trip down Temptation Road, those 12 steps to perdition. So to set the frame, and framework. It's 480 BC. Xerxes and his Persian army and navy have had their asses kicked in battle at the hands of the allied Greek forces assembled to repel that barbarian Persian invasion. The Greeks had shown the Persians, as my late um, friend newspaperman Steve Pleza would say, they showed them just who had the meat at Artemisium, then at Salamis, and soon thereafter, The Greeks had delivered that final coup de grace via the humiliation served up the Persian army commanded by Mardonius, nephew of Darius the Great, at Plataea. 
And this last disgrace was not witnessed by Xerxes firsthand. No, it wasn't because by that, by the time that humiliation had been meted out, you know, the Persian menace dealt with, Xerxes had already fled on the road again, if you will, back home, tail between his legs. Not a good look in either dog or king. And on that journey back home, a disgraced, humbled, dejected, and freaked out Xerxes was in desperate need of obtaining an immediate jolt to boost, to re-energize his less than normal, below normal, recently depleted low T count experience post that visceral <laughs> emasculation at the hands of those oh-so-virile Greeks. Fate, fortuna, destiny, chance, history all suggest the king. He'd be looking for love in all the wrong places now. And there, there is no dispute, however, that on the road home, the thought occurred to the king, Xerxes. Relief, relief. Relief may well be close at hand. It might be both convenient and fortuitously a good idea to to set about rescuing his manhood by obtaining a little bit of nookie. So he began to hit upon, pursue quite aggressively his brother, Masisti's wife, whom was close by, part of his royal retinue. She was hot and she was there. And that was, and that was very helpful to Xerxes. I am the king of kings, he thought the big swinging dick of the Persian Empire. You know, and, and as Jesse Jackson was so fond of saying, I am somebody, I am somebody. So too concluded Xerxes, I am some somebody, and I am the big dooger here. Now, it is, I mean, it's completely true. I have never read Xerxes actually suffered from low T syndrome or had these Jesse Jackson, like, you know, that low-life, swindling, womanizing, race-baiting hater that he was. You know, he, he, Xerxes never had those thoughts, at least in my readings of Herodotus, Thucydides, Xenophon, or Plutarch. I, I, I have never read, read these words. However, based on what I have read about the actions of Xerxes, Post his ass kicking by the Greeks, I think it is safe to assume that it is very, very likely A, he was physically depleted, B, he was an emotional wreck, C, his manhood, his very manhood was under a state of siege at that point in time. And given this fragile frame of, of mind, D, when he was then refused by a woman, the horror. Oh my Ahura Mazda. You know, that's the Zoroastrian god. So, oh my God. He was frustrated to no, a, no end. In another age, Xerxes might have demonstrated obvious male superiority over women by, say, urinating from a motorized vehicle. But in 480 BC, this kind of opportunity, this kind of opportunity did not present itself. You know, to, to show his manhood in such an intention-grabbing manner remained unavailable to Xerxes, but he needed release. He just had to feel this way or else nothing else makes sense. So in the end, he just did what he did. And what he did was 
Xerxes had a, a brother named Masistes, and he had a wife whose name has been lost to history. Therefore, for our purposes, let's just call her O. So what follows then is the story of O, if you will. Now, O was terribly offended when Xerxes, her brother-in-law, for God's sakes, Ahura Mazda's sakes, disgustingly and repeatedly began making aggressive, overt sexual advances toward her. And Xerxes would not take no for an answer from O. Xerxes soon was going to learn the often painful lesson that women whom are easy on the eyes are not always so easy on the heart and soul. And the worst of it is, though, as so often proves to be the case, you know, in these kind of cases, the woman after whom a man so loathingly lusts, she's not actually the same woman who will bring down the hammer on his or on other people's heart and soul. And there are, there's no telling in these kind of situations exactly who will pay the piper for what is going on. Now, legend has it that revenge will be found on the road to self-destruction. And, and that might well be, might well be true. But in these confusing, you know, twisted affairs of the human heart, who knows what happens? Who knows who's going to get hurt? What might go down? Who knows what a tormented mind might dream up? It's like, it's like brownie in motion. It just defies prediction. Nobody knows what will happen next. Paraphrasing Winston Churchill's suggestion to Brits who are living near the southern, you know, the southeastern coast, along the beaches of Britain, exposed to potential lethal Hun invasion ordered by a crazed Adolf Hitler, you know, that there was no reason, no reason he saw that a Brit couldn't take at least one Hun invader out with him as you go out. In war, aggression appears to be a rational act. In love, well, we're way past midnight now. It's It's getting really, really dark. And in any case, the fault here lays not with O, it rested clearly, squarely, and only upon the shoulders of Xerxes. The truth of the matter is, O displayed some real balls, true courage, and showed an unwavering, honorable loyalty to her husband while demonstrating at the same time her complete disdain for Xerxes by repeatedly refusing the king of kings' smarmy, slimy sexual advances. Never forget, the king is dogging his brother's wife. You know, as king of kings, Xerxes was used to getting whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted it, 100% of the time. He wanted what he wanted, and he expected to be given it. This is what kings do. His wish was the law. And Xerxes wouldn't take O's no for an answer. And he continued to just hound her like the dog he was trying like hell to cuckold his own brother. You know, Lord's famous, uh, Lord Acton's famous dictum in, you know, was in action. You know, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Finally, O had had enough. And o, o told the king in no uncertain terms, F off, just F off. Now, 
Now I have to tell you, the plot is going to thicken, as these things tend to do. You know, Shakespeare, um, out of his own personal experience, perhaps, you know, he appreciated for better or worse the true state of the human condition. Either that or, at a minimum, he was an ardent, admirable, amateur historian whose reading of human affairs allowed him to perceive, as he would write, that some by sin had risen and some by virtue had fallen. And relying upon Shakespeare's ominous insights into the motivations of the human mind as, you know, as grounds for contemplation in, in light of O's having scolded the king of kings, you know, get lost, refuses needs and desires. And, and this was done by a mere woman. After having lost a war in a humiliating fashion, something has to give. Something just has to give. And long before Xerxes and Amestris, Homer, the poet, had written, everything is more beautiful because we are doomed. Heraclitus once said about life, you can never step in the same river twice. No, you can't. O would never be more beautiful. Oh, would never be more lovely than she was at that very moment that she had offered Xerxes that last refusal. Things were now set in motion. Things were about to change. Hey, thanks for listening. And in our next episode, we're going to talk about how violently they changed. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. I am in a far off place <laughs> half of a world away is that you and there's Jersey's? so much to do and there's so much to see <laughs> mother nature's had her Xerxes, get off me there are mountains and valleys and beautiful hills <laughs> each vista something new <laughs> and though my imagination has been captured my thoughts they return to you Xerxes get the F away from so me so can you help really get off of this burden on my get off back. there's something wrong get off of me you animal me or something I must like oh you dog you for I've got this worry you believe in me and I must admit it that I'm scared. You scare the hell out of me. I'm your so brother's can wife. You try to convince you me sick puppy, you. That you Get lost. Get the F away from me, you animal. Xerxes.